0: Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. I am Chase Goodbread, the sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News, joined by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. We cover Alabama football twice weekly here. Throughout the fall, you can give us a like, a follow, and a subscribe. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all of it. We're live on YouTube and Facebook. The Twitter feed is talking underscore Tide, and of course, wherever you like to get your podcasts, you can find us on that platform, including Apple Podcasts. So give us a uh, give us a shout, give us a call, give us a try here at Talking Tide. I want to thank a couple of sponsors really quickly, Peter Brook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa and Heat Pizza Bar in downtown Government Square. More on both of them later in the program. A lot to get to uh, a day later than usual. We're going to be taking a look at this Alabama win on the road at Kentucky, forty-nine to twenty-one, the final score. Alabama comes out of the game nine and one on the, excuse me, on the season seven and zero in SEC play. Uh, And Travis, they clinched the West. They'll get Georgia, which is now, of course, 10-0 and 7-0. Let's just start right there before we get into the game. Uh, I didn't have, and I I wrote this from Lexington. I had LSU winning the West. Not afraid to say it. I thought they were the best-looking team in the preseason. Alabama proved me wrong. They get it done. They win the division for the 15th time in 32 years of SEC divisional play. It's the last year, of course, for divisional play in the league. They get it done. They'll be taking on those Bulldogs in Atlanta. Yeah, the only thing that
1: gave me pause about LSU back in the preseason, I think in the preseason you had every right to think that LSU was the better team. And certainly Jaden Daniels showed you one of those reasons once again on Saturday night in that performance against Florida, but just the schedule, you know, knowing that that game with Alabama was going to be in Tuscaloosa plus it was going to be in November and the potential for this team, this Alabama team to make the needed strides before that matchup with the Tigers. Now, I don't know if, if Alabama was as steady in making that climb to that point as maybe some of us expected, but they got there nonetheless and got the job done. It is an amazing feat. Seven out of the last 10 from the West for Alabama. Uh, 15 all-time is the, the the SEC record. Uh, and again, so much of this attributable to Nick Saban and the job he's done.
0: No doubt about it. Uh, the win over Kentucky, again, 49-21. to 21. Hot start for the Crimson Tide, Travis. And we haven't seen a lot of hot starts from Alabama this season. We've seen... Slow starts, especially offensively, for the Crimson Tide for most of the year. Not the case in Lexington. They had 21 points before Kentucky had a yard of offense. That's how fast they came out of the gate in this one. And uh, they did end up giving up 21 points. One of them was kind of a uh, a little bit of a cheapy touchdown against the, the twos toward the end of the game. But this was a dominant performance and probably as close to – uh, a full sixty-minute game that they played. The good news
1: for Nick Saban is the previous week he pretty much said that about the LSU game, and now a week later you have maybe a more complete performance against Kentucky. So it is a team that is ramping up at exactly the right time of the season, you know, and to do it without a couple of defensive starters, you know, understanding Kentucky isn't LSU offensively especially where the quarterback accountability is concerned as far as, um, you know, what you're going to deal with with Devin Leary with his legs. That's going to be pretty much non-existent. But I give Alabama credit for as much as anything mindset going in there and uh, making sure early to take that commanding lead. And uh, absolutely, the offense continued to to carry over a pretty good start against LSU to Kentucky. And that's maybe the best sign of, of anything.
0: Yeah, they took the crowd out of the game really from the get-go. Uh, you couldn't tell it was a Kentucky home game uh, almost at any point, frankly. Uh, maybe uh, a little juice in that stadium after Kentucky's first touchdown, but for much of the second half, we saw an exit from the home fans, and it seemed like that Alabama visiting crowd, which extended around the upper deck pretty good along with uh, along with the allotment of of – Uh, lower bowl seats it seemed like it got bigger and bigger and louder and louder Uh, offensively for Alabama Travis huge game for Jalen Milrow counted for six touchdowns three on the ground three through the air 15 of 22 234 yards he did throw one pick that was definitely ill-advised a little bit across his body on that one Uh, but setting that one bad decision aside a super game from him keeps going with those big
1: performances. What is it? 10 rushing touchdowns or 10 total touchdowns uh, in the last two games, 10 rushing touchdowns for Alabama in the last two games. So you're right. Had the one noticeable, notable mistake, uh, but did what he needed to do, especially early in the game. They converted some third downs. He did it with his arm. He did it with his legs on that opening possession and helped set the tone that way. And you know, now you're hearing Jalen Milroe as a fringe Heisman candidate. There's not enough time probably for him to make a push all the way to New York City. But you talk about a 180 in terms of the narrative, the quarterback position at Alabama. Uh, I don't really recall a time where it's, it's made this type of shift.
0: No, me neither. He, he's been phenomenal, especially of late. And, and you know, you noted how well they did on third down. Did great on third down against LSU as well. And, you know, I, I think I mentioned on the podcast a few weeks ago uh, around the midpoint of the season, maybe around the Arkansas game, how bad Alabama had been, um, in terms of distance to go on third down. At one point midseason, I think post-Arkansas, if I remember right, I did the math, and Jalen Milro's average yards to go for the season on third down was third and 8.1, which is unacceptable. That's it, it, a, a too tall a task for any quarterback, especially a first-year starter. Well, it was a lot more manageable than that against LSU, more manageable that than that against Kentucky, which speaks to a couple of things. One, uh, we've seen the penalties disappear or at least uh, come down quite a bit. And also, uh, frankly, just better performance, uh, winning first down, winning second down, and setting up more third and shorts instead of third and eight, 10, 12. Yeah, it seems like
1: Tommy Reese with his script and his plans, especially the last couple of weeks coming out of the bye week, where you have a chance to do some introspection and some self scouting and talk about, look, maybe we need to incorporate some more things and some more diversity. And that's really what we've seen too. You know, getting Kendrick and Law involved on some of these easier touches, a little bit more of pre snap motion, uh, more decided approach with Jalen Milro and the run game. So, all those things you talked about, though, very much in play. And even when Alabama still, maybe the experience of all those third and longs still helps, though, so because we saw him on, I think it was a third and 17 on Saturday in the third quarter. I think mm-hmm. Jalen hits Prentice for like 30 yards on a deep crossing route. So, you know, it could be a good side to, to that previous experience, especially with a couple of the games that Alabama has coming
0: up. He definitely knows what third down fire feels like, no doubt about it. Nick Saban and the Alabama coaching staff awarding five wide receivers player of the week honors a week after giving the whole offensive line. It's almost like they're saying, I just do this for this position, that for that position. The whole offensive line named players of the week after, I think, the LSU game. And, of course, this one, five wide receivers named player of the week little surprising, certainly, to, to me anyway. Not that they didn't play well, uh, but Nick Saban noted in his, his news conference today that he thought they all stepped up quite a bit in the absence of the number one guy, Jermaine Burton, out with an illness. And so, you know, this performance uh, that we've been talking about that Milro had against Kentucky, uh, it comes with the context that he did it without his top target. Yeah, and th- again,
1: one of the things that you can look at positively about not having Burton is that this is an offense that even with him had spread the football around. So there's a familiarity already there with Jalen Milrow and uh, Isaiah Bond and Kobe Prentice and even Malik Benson who needed to step it up. Jalen Hale, the freshman we saw more of earlier anyway uh, on Saturday at Kentucky. So absolutely a lot of good stuff and a lot of good stuff uh, in perimeter blocking too. You you saw that with Benson on the touchdown catch by Roydell Williams, C.J. Dupree, if we extend it to the tight end position, those guys continue to do a nice job as well.
0: Yeah, no doubt. He's been spreading the ball around all year long. Uh, A quick look at where Alabama's at receiving-wise for the season. Uh, Isaiah Bond right now tops the team and catches Travis with 30 on the year. Burton on top in yardage with 537. Uh, also five touchdowns for Burton, but Kobe Prentice has gotten in there, made an impact, um, you know, Malik Benson's gotten in there and and, and made a few big catches as well. Uh, Niblack 256 yard receiving and what stands out Travis and this, and we've talked about the efficiency of Milrose deep ball and the frequency with which he's been able to heat, hit stuff deep down the field. You've got Jermaine Burton right now averaging more than 20 yards a catch. Kobe Prentice averaging more than 17. Amari Niblack averaging more than 18. Uh, C.J. Dupree averaging 20. And, you know, these guys, these guys, none of them have a ton of catches, but that speaks to what Jalen Milrow has been able to do down the field a lot.
1: Yeah, not a big check down guy either, Jalen Milrow. So. No you know you that helps offset those sacks too you know you think about all the sacks that Alabama has given up this season or Milroe has taken at times uh but then when you look at the yards per catch and the explosive plays that this team makes when he isn't being sacked it kind of helps kind of helps even out that lost yardage for sacks too
0: all right let's jump over to the defensive side of the ball Travis the Crimson Tide uh really dominant especially against the run Ray Davis couldn't get a thing going and and you know Alabama's run defense definitely fit the gaps and did the job part of it I think too is Kentucky was down by so many points so early that it was a little hard for Mark Stoops to stick with the running game although I'll, I'll credit Stoops as a guy who I think sticks with the run does a good job of sticking with the run game even when he's down seven down 14 when you're down 21 or more it's a lot harder to do that. But regardless, uh, Alabama's run defense was outstanding. They did it without Deontay Loss, and the inside linebacker uh, didn't play either.
1: Yeah, it was a strong performance and did a lot of that out of their nickel package. Even against two tight end sets, Alabama was able to slow down Ray Davis from its nickel. So, absolutely, we've talked about that too. Alabama's performance against running backs this season, for the most part. Been really good, Jalen Wright, whether it's uh, the Arkansas backs, whether it's more recently Ray Davis, uh, you know, uh, Logan Diggs for LSU. They've they've done a nice job uh, in that regard, and that goes back to, you know, having some of those guys inside. I don't know if Alabama – I know Alabama wasn't that effective in those type of situations a year ago, but Tim Keenan coming along, Tim Smith taking another step, Jaheim Otis, player of the week this week. Uh, Damon Payne, a solid depth provider, you know, those are the type of things that go a long way. Justin Aboigby and what he's able to do, either at an end position or when they move him inside. Uh, boy, Aboygby's just been
0: huge too. He's been big, and and you Keenan know, has been kind of a double bonus because being able to rely on Keenan on the inside has allowed Alabama to move Otis out, out to that end position a lot of times and uh it makes them better at two spots not one that, that to me that's really uh central to the advantage that Tim Keenan's improvement has, has given Alabama yeah and Jamarian Latham too when he's been in there
1: not just as a dime guy how they like to use him on the nose and that dime rabbits pass rush package whatever they call it now it seems like every year there's a new name for it there's new a new name twist, yeah there's a little twist to it that gives it a new name but uh You know, he had the roughing the passer call on Saturday uh, against Leary, but he's been really consistent in his own right.
0: Staying with the defensive side of the ball, Travis, got to talk about Terry and Arnold. Big game for him, for sure. Had a really nice interception, broke on a ball uh, to rob one on Devin Leary. He also had a forced fumble early in the game to help set up that big early lead. Had a pass breakup. Guy is playing with a lot of confidence right now, and and uh, a lot of NFL buzz about him too. as a, As a third year sophomore who could who could come out if he so chose, uh, but right now I have a hard time seeing any corner duo in the country outperforming McKinstry and Arnold.
1: Really, really good, and then Malachi still solid at the start. But as we saw on Saturday, you know, Terion can get it done in the slot too. I mean, that's where his interception came from, I believe. And you talk about value, where the next level is concerned. If you can play on the outside and then also move inside and play there as well, it's been a big, big money year for Terry and Arnold.
0: A lot of impre- you could argue, and you know, I guess Milro would be the slam dunk answer. But you could argue, I think, that Arnold is as improved as as anybody on the roster from last year to this year. I think you got to, you got to. That's why this team is where it is, though. It was at at not just
1: quarterback, at several positions after Texas, just Mm -hmm. after Texas, not even going into the season. After uh, the after late September, this team had four or five areas where it had to improve dramatically oh well in this spot you know what about Jaden roberts at right yeah. guard he's that guy um you know you talk about obviously Jalen miller you talk about tim keenan uh certainly tarion uh qualifies uh in that regard so yeah james burnett i i know he's a specialist but i think he would be in that mix too
0: Dare I say it, Burnup's done a pretty decent J.K. Scott impression this year.
1: He has. He almost got one block Saturday. I was a little worried about that semi-rugby punt they tried there, but uh, they survived that, and they survived a Kool-Aid McKinstry muff. And it was interesting hearing Nick in the postgame talk about, kind of threw Trey Amos under the bus in terms of working against the Kentucky Gunner. I watched it in real time. I'm sure you did there at the stadium and even – on second watch, you've seen it uh, in your review of the game. Uh, I didn't. I didn't see Trey really physically interfere with uh, Kool Aid. Could have done a better job of holding up the gunner. Uh, but that's a play that Kool Aid's got to make. And and the best thing about it was he rebounded and then had the twenty-seven yarder. And Trey right. Anders did a good job on the Kentucky gunner. So credit where credit credit is due all the way around.
0: Yeah, at the game, uh, certainly I did not spot any kind of interference from Amos on McKinstry Live uh, when I saw that muff. It looked to me like it was on McKinstry. First I heard of anything like that was from Saving Himself postgame. I'll lay a slight bit of blame for that on the tiny flat screens in that Kentucky press box because they're few (laughs) and far between. And they're about the size of a, of a TV screen that you'd put in your kitchen. Uh, all, they get, all the good ones are in Rupp Arena, you know? <laughs> That's, right. That's exactly right. So it was a little difficult to see replays from the press box. Otherwise, maybe I would have spotted something like that. Maybe not. But didn't yeah, I didn't notice it. Your eyes I,
1: were right. Your eyes yeah. were right from the box. Um, you know, and look, I, I appreciate Nick trying to, you know, support Kuwait and and then again it it paid off on that on that return there later in the game and that was some some good work by the Alabama
0: punt return unit all right the talking tide podcast on the belly up podcast network the twitter feed talking underscore tide we're going to thank a couple of sponsors here really quickly a couple of local sponsors we're going to start by telling you all about heat pizza bar in downtown Tuscaloosa in government square best pizza place in town get down there Try the pepperoni, try the standard. That's the house signature pizza, the Thai chicken pizza, outstanding as well. They've got a full bar, a great atmosphere, plenty of parking right in front of that public parking garage, super salads, the jalapeno poppers will get it done for you as well. And of course, flat screen TVs, bigger than Kentucky's, I promise, Uh, all over the place uh, at Heat Pizza Bar, so you can catch all the big games down there, lots of fun. Frank Fleming and his staff do a fantastic job. A lot of great specials as well. Afternoons, you can get those pizzas at a great discount. And, of course, they've got discounts on cocktails really throughout the day. Next time you're in mood for some great pizza, check out Heat Pizza Bar, 2256th Street in downtown Government Square. I'm going to tell you about Peter Brook Chocolatier out there at
1: 1530 McFarland Boulevard, North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. You got the Thanksgiving holiday coming up. You certainly want to accentuate that spread of yours with some Peterbrook chocolate for the holidays. And you know what else, good bread? Boy, with the approaching holidays, it is almost, if not already, peppermint bark season. I can eat that stuff by the box full, oh, yeah. and they've got the best of that at Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa.
0: All right, the Talking Tide podcast moving on. We're going to bounce around the SEC. We'll take a dip in that two-deep tumbler before we get out of here. Travis, will jump right in with a... Viewer-slash-listener question, David Dalrymple, wants to know who replaces Jimbo, so our discussion of the SEC might as well begin right there. Texas A&M with a 51-10 to thrashing of Mississippi State, only for Jimbo to learn that he was fired two days before the victory, basically. (laughs) Jeez. They
1: pass around that brass platoon on Thursday and let you coach on Saturday come up with that 75 million or whatever yeah right around 75 million so yeah. i think jimbo will be okay you know i think jimbo will be alright but it's a great question uh and obviously all the names are going to be out there but i think with AM too man it's a fit you know it is still a fit hire just because the the best available coach may take the money doesn't mean as we've seen look at the coaches that have gone through there throughout throughout our lifetime yeah Chase and what is that program really won during our lifetime with all those resources, with all the money? What has it actually gotten accomplished? So, you know, I had a Twitter follower, uh, or yeah, Joe Corona on the Twitter. He suggested Dabo Sweeney, and you know, Dabo's had it with some of the fans, obviously. Yeah, at Clemson. I don't see Dabo leaving Clemson. Uh, and not just because of the money, which Dabo, he, that's when Dabo gets upset is when you start bringing up his money. He, he, because Mm -hmm. he talks so much about NIL being a bad thing and everything else, but if you bring up his 10, 11 million, no, 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 he he don't want to talk about that real (laughs) So that, that may be something that even puts him off a little bit, but culturally I think Dabo, man, the 12th man, former walk-on yeah. Yell crew, all that stuff. That's that's Dabo, man.
0: What about I, I saw this and I just kind of shook my head. Some coaches just have a way, well, I say coaches, anybody. I mean, I've known people in the corporate world, in the media world. They just have a way of stumbling up the ladder, right? And just doing a subpar job, but they just keep getting promoted, keep you getting raises. Going with, you know, with Cliff. What about Cliff Kingsbury? How, I mean, about, why how not, about that stumble up?
1: Why not give him like a hundred million for 10 years guaranteed? <laughs> next, you're right. He keeps falling up. So hey, why not uh cool Cliff? You know, I mean, you know, Manzell loved him, so uh, you know, maybe it maybe it's Cliff. I, I don't know. I, I I know there's been some names mentioned that are sensible, maybe more so from Texas circles, that state, that region. Uh, that could plug in there, but I, I'm—I just won't be surprised at this point. I, it kind of like Brian Kelly at LSU leaving Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I refuse to be surprised anymore.
0: Got to mention Zach Arnett next, I guess. Fired by Mississippi State, coming off that uh, blowout loss to the aforementioned Texas A&M. Not a head coach left from that game, Travis. Just a few days after the after the game was played, but uh, Mississippi State. Moving on after basically one full season, roughly, from Arnett, right? If you tack on the the interim, my dog. That's our mascot. That's our show mascot. Arnett, uh, of course, was the interim guy on the tail end of the unfortunate passing of Mike Leach last year, out the door with a couple games to go this year, and uh, Mississippi State, the dogs yeah looking to to find somebody else
1: those dogs are barking I can hear them all the way from Starkville on the show so uh no I I don't you know it's tough Zach Arnett young coach really good defensive coordinator he'll be fine uh the only thing you wish for him was that his buyout was even somewhat close to Jimbo's it's it's not which I'm sure played in the decision to go ahead and and make the move now there's going to be talk on there already is about Dan Mullen does he come back to Starkville um some other guys that might make sense I know this much man a lot of coaches a lot of sitting coaches going to get paid this all season it's not just the guys that are going to get hired in these openings there's going to be a lot more because the domino effect starts and then you got to hire the guy who left the place to go to the place and uh boy Jimmy Sexton right just keeps on coming out smelling like a rose
0: gave him a piece of ice to keep him quiet i think he's louder with that than he was with the barking love it all right uh real quick travis georgia blasts old miss this past week missouri blasts tennessee neither one of those games particularly close uh lsu takes care of business against florida you mentioned that at the top of the show uh the old miss game I think you called it that Ole Miss probably just wouldn't have it for uh for what they would need in Athens. That that game was uh a route pretty quickly, I thought. Yeah, I mean, as long as Ole Miss could stay on
1: script with Lane early in the game, it'd have a chance to make a little noise there in the first quarter, which the rebels did, got out to that seven to nothing lead, but from there it just it, it wasn't much else. And uh eventually when the disparity in roster is usually that immense uh the better roster is going to take over but i was impressed i was still impressed with with georgia who got Amarius marius back at offensive tackle got uh bowers back obviously at the tight end position so you know if you're an alabama fan watching that game last saturday night that was some of the things you didn't like because it looks like georgia by the time the dogs get to atlanta are going to be in in really good health
0: they're hitting a stride no doubt about it all right we jump in the Tumblr really quickly and uh, then we're gonna get out of here. Quick programming note for our listeners. Not gonna have a midweek show previewing the Alabama, Tennessee, Chattanooga game. Unfortunately, um that's a on seven me. and three mocks seven and three down
1: from Chattanooga s-
0: six and two in league play, I believe. I saw uh, one of those league
1: losses was to Western Carolina, the Catamounts. You know who the head coach is at Western Carolina these days? Couldn't tell you. Well, we're old, so will this will resonate? Kerwin Bell, is he really? Yeah, former <laughs> Florida Gator quarterback, the throwing May Owen from yes. Mayo, Florida. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's, he's up there in the uh, in the Appalachia.
0: You want to know how old I am, Travis? Every time I say or even write Malik Benson, you know what I want to say or write? What almost comes out of my mouth? Magic Benton.
1: <laughs> former. jeez, that's a blast from the past yeah
0: former uh miami wide receiver from Ooh, uh the 90s south florida native i believe yeah that goes so. back to our our recruiting days for sure uh 57 comes out of the two deep tumbler elijah pritchett um a little bit of action for him i thought and you were what? gonna say dj petway you know i was ready for it <laughs> yeah yeah exactly now back to the uh back to 2023 now with Elijah Pritchett, um, struggled Travis, no other way to put it in his platoon role with Caden Proctor. That was relatively brief. Uh, Proctor now kind of taking over that left tackle spot. Um, Pritchett to me seems like a guy who we might see working at an interior spot, maybe in the spring, see if he could reinvent himself as a guard. Who knows? Uh, what are your thoughts on, on him? Yeah, we, we saw him uh, as you did, uh, with the twos,
1: uh, in the fourth quarter Saturday, I, I think he's a guy that could work inside or outside and look, they're, they're going to need a tackle. They're going to need another tackle next season. Um, yep. you know, with JC Latham being a first rounder projected first rounder. So I, I wouldn't totally dismiss the possibility of maybe you're able to play him on the right side. But, uh, I think between some of the young tackles they got, we saw will conform be on Saturday Uh, At Kentucky, uh, Ola Salinan can probably play out there. Uh, Maybe Miles McVay with a good offseason and strength and conditioning. Maybe one of these young offensive tackles sort of emerges to go along with Caden Proctor. But uh, a lot still to figure out, I think, for Pritchett.
0: All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Once again, no midweek podcast coming up. And so the next time you'll hear from Travis and I on Talking Tide will be on Sunday when we recap Alabama's game against UTC. Until then, for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News. And we'll talk to you next time right here on Talking Tide.